Welcome to 20th Century Boy. Here is your host, Radio Mike. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mr. Announcer. My name is Radio Mike, and this is the inside of my mind. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week of this podcast. What a pleasure it is to be back. Uh, How good was that chat last week with Lewis Spears? Um... Go back and listen to it. Lewis is a really good friend of mine um, and, a, and a great, great mate. I was going to say he's a great mate, but that, I literally just said he's a really good friend of mine. Um, a really great chat. Um, and <clears throat> I thought that having a guest, like having a guest every, you know, however many weeks, I think is a good way to just sort of separate, to split up the podcast a bit, you know, have something a bit more self-contained, have a different voice on because you might get sick of the same voices every week. Speaking of uh, my usual guests in studio today, Editor Mike, my editor on this podcast, how are you? Yeah, Mike, good. Uh, Just swiping away on Tinder, Uh, still on the dating scene, just uh, getting out there as usual. And uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, it's a wild world, world out Have there. Have you had any dates yet from, from Tinder or still waiting? Still no dates, but I've actually got one lined up for the weekend, so that should be really good. Oh man, you got to give us a report next week. Yeah, no, I'll definitely uh, come back with a, hopefully a good report, but uh, you never know these days. Yeah, uh, intern Mike is here as well. Welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? Yeah, really good. It was awesome meeting oh, Lewis Spears last week. He's really cool. And... Mainly, I've just been going to school and playing badminton on Saturdays and just uh, playing my Nintendo Switch a lot, which is awesome. And yeah, that's basically it. I'm just like being a 14-year-old boy, which is what I am. Yeah, don't grow up too quick, man. I think, you know, lots of kids are in a rush to grow up, but if I could go back to my youth, I totally would, man, and I'd change so much. That seemed really oddly deep and sentimental for, like, the start of the show. Usually we don't talk about that kind of thing until at least 10 minutes in, but thanks for your words, Radio Mike. That's really nice of you. No worries whatsoever, mate. Guys, uh, been a long week for me. Been a long few weeks. Uh, first and foremost, I am back on Breakfast Radio, panelling Triple M's breakfast show, The Hot Breakfast, which is great. Uh, and it's just the hours. The hours are challenging. I'm up at, you know, 3am getting to work. I'm up at probably 3.30 into work at 4.30, 4.45 and show goes from 6 till 9 and then hanging around a bit after. Really big shift and you feel like you're in this permanent state of jet lag, which is hard. But it's a really, it's a really interesting show and it's quite a challenging show and it's really unique, I think, in, in the radio landscape at the moment. So... Yeah, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Also, uh, Radio Mike, the name, has now picked up in the uh, Hot Breakfast team, which is really funny. I'll throw a clip of that here. Welcome to Will Anderson. How are you, uh, mate? Good morning, Dars. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Radio Mike, uh, who is filling in for Rosie. Radio Mike. Radio Mike. Uh, Mike. <laughs> uh, Mike's nicknamed Radio Mike. Uh, really? Although when he produces my podcast, we call him Podcast Mike. Ah, he's, so, he's sort of... Uh, but he's back of... being Radio Mike today, so... Uh, Welcome, Mike. Yeah, so Will, has, Will Anderson, who is on the show, has brought that to the team. And then this happened when the newsreader on the show, who comes in uh, every half hour to do a live bulletin 
in studio with uh, the, the the presenters uh, continued it with this. Morning Melbourne, morning Will, Dust, Eddie and Radio Mike. Here's what you need to know right now. So, yeah, I mean, dealing with a lot of anxiety only because I always get really anxious as I've discussed on this podcast, uh, particularly with new things and new teams and, uh, you know, wanting to do my best job uh, and getting and and I beat myself up a lot. Like if I make a mistake, I'll beat myself up. If I, you know, I really want to make things as good and strong as possible. Um, which everyone does, and and I get a lot of anxiety over that. And it's funny with this show, I don't know why, but I get this like lingering anxiety. Like even when the show's finished, I still feel kind of on edge. But I think it's more of an adrenaline thing, where like I'm feeling nervous, but. Feeling nervous to me is always a good thing because it means that you care and you want to do your best. And sometimes with me and probably for a lot of other people, those nerves can become too much and they actually hinder you from doing the best you can do. So I always try to keep check of that. Um, But yeah, I'm on this, I'm on that for two weeks, this being the first of the two. Uh, And yeah, looking forward to it being over only because the hours are tricky. Um, but other than that, it's really good experience for me. And I feel like I'm pushing my comfort zone and I feel like, and I feel like when you're a person like me who has a lot of anxiety and gets a lot of anxiety and you like deal with that day to day, I think when you decide, yes, I'm going to do this thing that makes me feel really anxious. When you decide that, I think automatically you're expanding your comfort zone because the next time you do that thing, it's not going to be as tricky and it's not going to be, it's not going to produce so much anxiety. That's what I've found anyway. I always try to do things that will push my boundaries and will induce anxiety. Even though anxiety makes me uncomfortable, I also know that it's a part of who I am. And if I don't, uh, and, and, and if I say no to everything because I feel uncomfortable, if I say, hey, no, I'm not going to do these things that are challenging to me, then I'll never get better. And I think that that's essential in my journey to being better, to being more confident, to being less anxious, and just to broadening my horizons, uh, literally. Um, so yeah, I, I'm trying to push out of my comfort zone a lot. Yeah, I, I, I kind of do that too, Radio Mike, like, Sometimes in class, like in maths, like I'm really bad at maths, but sometimes I'll like just put my hand up and say like a random answer if the teacher asks a question just because like there's a chance I might get it right. And and like I just feel like if I don't put my hand up, then like I just won't get anything right. But if I put my hand up and just guess, then I might get it right. Not quite the same thing I'm talking about in turn, Mike, but yeah, cool. Um, The other thing is based on the other thing I wanted to say quickly, and there's so much to get done today, but I just want to like talk about this. Uh, I got an email in from Radio Jaden, Radio Radio Jado, Radio Jaden, Radio Jado. Uh, welcome to the Radio family. Have 50 mic points. Mic points are the currency of the show. You collect them uh, by contributing. Uh, he says, hey, Radio Mike, have always been meaning to email after listening to your podcast. Never got around to it. Although the last two episodes, I knew I had to make some time to provide some thoughts. I cannot express how much I loved certain parts of them. I think the things that I love from the start about your podcast was you were trying to have honest conversations about yourself, humans, and the way things are in the world, while also looking back to your popular cultural roots. I feel seeing or hearing people be vulnerable is great, especially when I'm not amazing at it. Um, 
he also comments that the balance of that kind of stuff hasn't been as uh, prevalent as in the first few episodes, which I acknowledge. Um, that's not a uh, deliberate choice. It's just you know sometimes it is hard to talk about these things, particularly in a pub, particularly in a public space. However, I do also uh, like I am always trying to get that balance in. And while the overall goal of this podcast is probably to make you laugh and just have a nice break. I also want to like express myself a little bit and the things that are on my mind because this podcast is the inside of my mind. Uh, He says, that's probably why I loved hearing you talk about your weight and also what Lewis and yourself had to say about anxiety and being a certain person in front of others. Basically just wanted to say, love the podcast regardless, but really love these conversations. Looking forward to hearing what's next to come. Uh, Thank you so much for writing in, Jaden. You can write in anytime. The socials are in the description of the podcast. Hit me up however you'd like to hit me up, preferably email, but who cares? I don't care. Not me. I don't care. Who gives a fuck? Um... So I wanted to talk a little bit about this because obviously it resonated with Jaden and a few other people have messaged me about this in terms of um, fitness. And I spoke two episodes ago. Uh, I said this. I have gained weight. It's true. We've all been thinking it, particularly me. We've all known it. And yeah, it was true. I realized that I had gained a lot of weight and like, I used to be really ashamed about, like, weight gain, but then one of my friends said to me, oh, no, like, I think it's normal for someone's weight to fluctuate a bit during their life. And, yeah, that kind of made me feel better, but I did talk about how I I know that... uh, And, and, like, I guess I I talked about how I know that I have been a much fitter version of me in the past, and I know that, generally speaking, when I am fitter, I am relatively happier. I just feel healthier, more aware, all those kind of little things. They just kind of add up. Um, so yeah, I've been endeavoring to get a bit fitter, um, get back into fitness, get back into a, a healthier diet. Cause my diet was shit. I think that's the main reason why I gained so much weight. Cause I was just eating shit all the time, just junk food. Um, so now I have been yeah, like I, I feel like I, I, I've already lost a few kilos just since that episode, which is awesome. Um, and to be honest, and I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but I do think that weight loss and fitness is actually quite a simple thing to achieve in a sense. Like, I personally think that there are four main steps to losing weight if you want to lose weight. If, if you feel like you're overweight and you want to lose a few kilos, there are four main steps. Um, number one is eat less. Number two is eat healthier. Number three is drink a lot more water. And number four is exercise a little bit more. Um, I I genuinely believe that uh, those things in themselves will help you lose weight. However, I think the hard part is actually to change the habits and the micro habits that you've probably had since you were a young kid in terms of eating not exercising um, and having the the mental strength and mental self-discipline to do it. Because to be honest, I think the running just gets, if you want to go for a run or go to the gym, that actually gets easier. Um, It's actually maintaining the habits because I think staying fit is not a temporary, oh, I'll go to the gym for two weeks and I'll eat healthy for two weeks and then I'll lose weight. Yeah, but you actually haven't changed any of your habits. You actually haven't changed what you're doing. You've just, you will lose weight, but you've just it's a two week thing and then it'll come straight back. Um, I think you actually have to take some time to think about what you do and what, and how you eat and how you exercise and then come back to it and assess whether that's 
helping you or not. Like I, since uh, two weeks ago when I did the podcast about my weight gain, I have done uh, a lot of running, maybe running, uh, just treadmill running at the gym once a week. Uh, sorry, not once a week, maybe four or five times a week. Um, and running can be really hard at the start, but I find like if you just start, do a five minute run, literally the next day, do six, the next day, do seven, and then give yourself a rest day and go back to six and then go to eight and literally just go up incrementally each day. And eventually I feel like you'll just be able to run for 20 minutes. Your body will just get used to running and you'll get used to it. And then, you know, you want to get to a point Well, I'm at this point where I commit to running 20 minutes, but on a rest day, I'll run 15 and it's and the endurance just gets easier and easier each time. Your body kind of learns to deal with it. Um, I should stress I don't know anything about fitness or diet. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutrition person. I know none of this stuff. But this is just what's worked for me. I Like, it has worked for me in the past. It's working for me now. In my opinion, the hardest part is actually mentally disciplining yourself to not uh, eat eat as much food. Uh, just have, I, I generally have one big sized meal a day and two smaller sized meal meals. Generally dinner is the bigger one. Uh, and that's sort of just, I don't know, it works for me and I can already feel the habits changing. And the more you apply yourself to change your habits, uh, I feel like the easier it becomes day after day. And the neural connections in your brain of the hard, of the, uh, of the junk food eater who just binge eats whenever they want and doesn't care about his health, they'll still be there and you might revert to them, but it's about sort of, if that does happen, it's about recognizing it and bouncing back, bouncing back to the current version, to bouncing back to the version of you that does look out for those things. And it's okay to fluctuate in between them. That's what I think anyway. Um, Look, today's going to be a little bit of a different episode. Like I just, there's so much I really want to talk about. Um, so sorry, editor Mike and intern Mike, you might not, uh, get as much airtime on this episode. Yeah, look, no, no worries, Mike. I'm happy to just step back and be an editor this week. Ah, uh, to me, that's pretty bullshit, but like, cause I think, you know, the people really like hearing from me, but whatever, like, I'll just sit back and fucking do nothing. Intern Mike, you never used to swear on the podcast. Are you swearing on the podcast now? I just thought, cause you do sometimes, I can as well, but don't worry, I won't now. I don't want to get in trouble with my mum or anything. And she listens to every episode. She's probably already going to punish me for this. That sucks. Oh, well, that's your problem. We're not editing it out. Editor Mike, don't edit that out. Leave it in and don't censor it. I want, I don't want intern Mike punished for his mistakes. Uh, yeah, no worries, Mike. I'll leave it in. All right. Uh, okay. So this podcast, Radio Mike, 20th Century Boy, is its name, but I'm sure you're already aware of it. However, I just need to talk about this so much because last week, uh, one of the best days of my life happened. And part of this podcast, part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast, and this is going to sound lame, but part of the reason I wanted to do it was because some of my interests and the things I know the most about are so niche and so particular that I found often in my life, sometimes no one else that I know knows about them. So I can't necessarily have deep conversations with people about them, like with my friends about them. Not that I don't have deep conversations with my friends, I do, but sometimes the topics are so niche that I can only really gloss over these bits in conversation. And the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I'm in constant conversation with myself and I really wanted to get my thoughts onto the paper. Um, 
not onto the paper, onto the record. Jesus bloody Christ. Uh, and I wanted to talk about uh, a little thing called Banjo-Kazooie. And maybe some of you follow me on Twitter, maybe some of you follow Gaming News, but there was a very big announcement about Banjo-Kazooie uh, last week, um, and it really made my life. And I think part of this podcast, again, is, and again, this might sound lame, but I think a part of the human condition is that there are things that, uh, there are things in your childhood that you really cherish and mean a lot to you. Things that are just really important and really had an impact on you, but you can't really explain it to other people. And it's a feeling of, like, home when you think about that thing. And I think it's really sad that now that I'm an adult, I don't know if I'll get those things again, new things, but I can always look back on those old things and get those feelings. And I think that's great. And Banjo-Kazooie is one of those things for me, uh, which is why the name of today's episode is... Who the hell are Banjo and Kazooie? And if you don't know the answer to that question, I, I think this is a really interesting story. Banjo, Kazooie, uh, Banjo and Kazooie were revealed as a playable character in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which is a very, very big deal uh, for those of you who don't know. It's an extremely big deal. Uh, someone posted in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash 20th Century Boy, it was Radio Lewis Hobden, who is already a member of the radio family, but just play the sound effect anyway out of the mic. And look, have 30 mic points for this because you've sparked a good discussion here. And he says, as someone that doesn't follow Nintendo news, what is the significance of Banjo-Kazooie being added to Super Smash Bros over other characters being added? And basically, as you probably know from me, Super Smash Bros is a crossover fighting game uh, on Nintendo platforms. It started in the late 90s with Super Smash Bros 64, which basically featured uh, 12 Nintendo characters and that it was a fighting game. You sort of had the 12 all-star Nintendo characters of the time, so Mario and Luigi, Donkey Kong, Link from Legend of Zelda, Samus from Metroid, uh, Pikachu, Jigglypuff the Pokemon, Star Fox from Star Fox and Kirby from Kirby. And then you had some sort of outside, like more vague characters like Ness from Earthbound and Captain Falcon from F-Zero. And Captain Falcon is actually the origin of this quote from the intro to this podcast. Show me your moves. And as the games went on, more and more characters were added to the roster. And basically in the third edition of the game, Super Smash Bros. Brawl for the Wii, for the first time in the series history, they added third-party characters. So characters that weren't actually owned by Nintendo. They were owned by third-party companies in the form of uh, Snake from the Metal Gear series. Quite a big reveal because, you know, Metal Gear, Metal, Metal Gear the franchise, didn't have much to do with Nintendo. And Snake, the character, is a, is like a... Uh, he, he's in the military and he works with guns and grenades and stuff. So it didn't really fit kind of the family-friendly aesthetic of Super Smash Bros. And Sonic the Hedgehog, who was, for a long time, one of Nintendo's biggest rivals, so it was quite a big deal for him to make it into this game. Sonic's the name, speeds my game! And in the next iteration, Super Smash Bros. 4, uh, lots of other third-party characters that seemed completely impossible in the past got added. For example, you had Mega Man, Pac-Man, yes, Pac-Man is in the game uh, in a 3D form, and they are owned by uh, Capcom and Namco. And as DLC, downloadable characters, it, it was even 
completely dumbfounding. No one expected it, but you had Ryu from Street Fighter, who's probably one of the original fighting game characters. Hadouken! Uh, you had Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII, which is one of the most successful and popular RPGs in the world from Square Enix. Uh, and Bayonetta, which is a very, very successful franchise. And then in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, we also got Simon and Richter Belmont from the Castlevania se uh, series. These are all third-party characters. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate as DLC already added the Joker from Persona 5 as a, as a third-party character. So it's almost like this celebration of some of the most iconic video game characters ever made. Now, on to Banjo-Kazooie. These two stories obviously link up. Banjo-Kazooie was basically a 3D platformer that came out in the 90s, featuring a, a bear, an anthropomorphic bear whose name was Banjo because he played the banjo, who has a, a best friend who's a bird called Kazooie and she plays the kazoo. They go on an adventure together collecting gold things like a lot of the games of the time. Oh, and Banjo is responsible for this sound in the intro to the podcast. <laughs> the game was just full of so much charm. It was a 3D platformer that followed on from Super Mario 64, which was one of the first ever 3D platformers and commonly known as one of the best games ever released. And Banjo-Kazooie, in my opinion, was just an upgrade of everything that Super Mario 64 did. The, th the reason why I think Banjo-Kazooie is one of the best games in the world is, and, and, and people often ask me to talk about my favorite games on this podcast. Banjo-Kazooie is probably, it, it'd have to be in my top three games. Either Banjo-Kazooie or the sequel Banjo-Tooie would have to be in my, I, actually, I think Banjo-Tooie is better, but more on that later. So the game was so endearing for a number of reasons. First of all, all the characters had these really uh, funny voices. Each character had its own identifiable voice. Like they don't speak English, they just speak in nonsense syllables. Um, and it became really fun, but also slightly annoying to listen to. Um, for example, Banjo sounds like this. Kazooie sounds like this. And the main villain, Gruntilda, who's a witch, sounds like this. Not only were the voices funny, but the dialogue that appears as text on the screen when they talk was actually really, really witty, uh, well-written, and often would break the fourth wall, which is when you acknowledge that the characters would often acknowledge that they're in a game, that they're in a Nintendo game. Like they, you know, I, I really like that stuff. As you might know uh, on this podcast, I play around a little bit with the fourth wall. Well, I guess in a podcast form, it's not really a fourth wall, um, but you get what I mean. Like sometimes I acknowledge things about editor Mike and intern Mike that anyway, I'm not going to go too much into them, but you know, Nah, go into it a bit more, Mike. What are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? How do you break the fourth wall with us? Like, we sit here in, in the studio with you all the time. I really like that you, you think you're breaking the fourth wall. No, no, whatever, guys. It doesn't matter. But yeah, so the characters would acknowledge uh, that, that, that they were in a video game. Add to that that while you're walking around in the game, the, the enemy, Gruntilda, the witch, she will pop up and, like, insult you, but she always speaks in rhyme. Um, I'll find an example of it. So there's like one line where she just says, what's wrong, Banjo? Is it tough? Let me know when you've had enough. So I don't know. It, it was just, I was very young when I played this game, but I, 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 and it was mind blowing to me that these characters were acknowledging 
that they were in a game at points. For example, there were some cheats you could use in the game, and if you use cheats, then Gruntilda would pop up and she'd say, stop using cheats in my tower, you were getting all the power. I really, really liked that, and a lot of the things I've liked, I've, I've noticed that I like in media are often things where the fourth wall is broken, um, because I find it's it's really tricky to do well, but when it's done well, it's just so uh, funny and incredible to watch. I guess for a better definition of breaking the fourth wall in, in modern times, if you think of Deadpool, the Marvel hero, he's like, he breaks the fourth wall. He talks to the audience. He talks to the camera and he acknowledges that he's in a movie. So you're going to do a superhero landing. Wait for it. Woo! Superhero landing. Yeah, that's really hard on your knees. Totally impractical. They all do it. Malcolm in the Middle, uh, that TV show, which is a fantastic TV show that I'd love to talk about in more detail sometime. Most of the episodes start with Malcolm talking directly to the viewer. He's breaking the fourth wall. He's acknowledging that there are people watching him, which I really, really like. We're doing this new thing called the circle game. Basically, if you can make the other guy look at your hand when you're doing this, below your waist, you get to hit them in the arm. It's stupid, but hey, you get to hit people. Anyway, back to Banjo-Kazooie. So not only was it a really funny game, they also had a soundtrack, a score, composed by a man named Grant Kirkhope, uh, who is, in my opinion, one of the greatest video game composers in the history of video games. I, I just realised I've, I've missed a massive part of this story, which I'm just going to quickly say now. Um... Banjo-Kazooie was on Nintendo platforms, but it was owned by a company called Rare, who were a subsidiary of Nintendo. They also made games like Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong 64, Conker's Bad Fur Day, Jet Force Gemini, the GoldenEye 007 game. They were really good at making games, but interestingly, they weren't a Japanese team, which is which was pretty uncommon for... Uh, Nintendo at the time, they were a British team of game developers. So they were these British guys who were programming and animating and they made the games for Nintendo. That's kind of important. Anyway, Grant Kirkhope was the composer and he is a musical genius. He completely captures the goofiness and meta and self-referential uh, nature of this game. And he's just incredible. Uh, this is a bit of the theme song, uh, which is played by Banjo on the banjo. <laughs> worlds you visit in this game are themed to something. For example, uh, there's a world called Treasure Trove Cove, which is uh, you're in a cove, you're, you're on the beach, you're in like there's palm trees everywhere. And this is the theme song from that level. They just capture their essence so well, but none more than objectively the best song in the game and potentially one of the best songs ever written, uh, the theme to the world Freeze Easy Peak, which is a winter Christmas snow themed world. Uh, and this track just, I think is, just encapsulates everything about those things. Uh, here's a bit of it here. <laughs> everything to the sleigh bells in the back and uh, I don't know it's just it just feels like a Christmas song so much I love 
love listening to this song. I really, really do. And this in this just ingenious, I'm going a bit nerdy here music-wise, but this ingenious key change in the middle of the song. Man, it just gets me every time. I just love this song. I think it is incredible composing and yeah I, I i don't know i just think like this game is is on another level not to mention the soundtrack is what they call a dynamic soundtrack in gaming so basically the music responds to what you do in the game um for example if we take that theme from freeze easy peak which you can probably hear right now because edit the mic's going to put it in uh if you dive underwater, the song, because you can swim in the game, the song that is currently playing will instantly shift into an underwater version of that song, as demonstrated right here. things like this that just make this game I, I don't know I feel like the music in this game raises it from like being a great game into an incredible game like it's amazing how much music can change something um can ch can make can elevate something so much uh but it really can and some of these songs are just unforgettable even the main overworld theme when you're playing the game seems to be pretty reminiscent of this old song teddy bear's picnic I'll put a little bit of it here does seem relatively uh, deliberate considering the game focuses on a bear, but I just think it's really cool how uh, Kirk Hope kind of revamped that song into its own thing for this game. God, I'm, I can rant about this for ages, I need to like speed it up, but uh, they later released uh, Banjo-Tooie, the sequel, which was in my opinion uh, a better game. A lot of people dispute that because they think that Banjo-Tooie got too big and too broad, the worlds were very big, everything about it was bigger. There were more moves you could learn, more attacks, more collectibles, just more stuff. I thought it was incredible. Um, some of the standout worlds were this world called Witchy World, which was like a theme park world, uh, which was awesome. All the worlds were interconnected in that one. It, it was just an incredible game. So after that, both games were critically acclaimed. Rare were making some of the best games of their lives. And then Nintendo sold Rare, the company, to Microsoft uh, for a lot of money. Suddenly Rare were making games for Microsoft and because Microsoft was a big competitor of Nintendo at the time, uh, Rare could no longer work on Nintendo games. Eventually, about eight years, maybe seven years after Banjo-Tooie came out, they finally revealed they were working on a third Banjo game called uh, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts and people were super excited about that. Um, and it turned out that this game had pretty much nothing to do with the original Banjo game. Uh, like, Banjo and Kazooie were in it, the worlds were in it. It was kind of... They still broke the fourth wall and, and like, it, actually, it did capture a bit of the essence, but the main platforming and collecting gameplay was changed to this completely random idea of a car-building game. So you build cars and drive them around 
it was so such a departure. And a lot of people consider this a really good game, but just a complete departure from what Banjo-Kazooie was about. So a lot of people were disappointed. Um, years go by and the character of Banjo and the characters Banjo and Kazooie pretty much are dead. Also in Nuts and Bolts, Banjo received a complete redesign where he was really square, blocky, rectangular instead of like more organic circular character, um, which people did not like very much at all. So the character kind of lay dormant for a long time, pretty much forgotten. Rare weren't really making any substantial games at, at this point either. And then then the uh, original developers of Banjo-Kazooie went off and started their own company called Playtonic Games, and they made a Kickstarter campaign for a new game called Ukulele, which featured a lizard called Yuka and a bat called Laylee that functioned very similarly to Banjo-Kazooie, and they tried to make a uh, Banjo-Kazooie spiritual sequel. They crowdfunded tons and tons of money and made this game Ukulele, which in my opinion was quite good. The reaction to it was quite mixed, but it did capture the same exact same essence. For example, uh, Yuka and Laylee both talked in similar nonsense syllables that Banjo and Kazooie used. There was a lot of fourth wall breaking. There was a lot of referencing Banjo Kazooie as well. Um, the game, yeah, the, the game was pretty mixed, but I thought it was quite good and I really enjoyed playing it. Um, and yeah, from there, Banjo and Kazooie would just kind of felt like they were dead. And everyone always thought it would be incredible if they made it into Super Smash Bros because they had such an incredible legacy on the Nintendo 64. And if you look up right now, best Nintendo 64 games, I am certain Banjo and Kazooie or Banjo Tooie will be in pretty much every list you find um, because they were such well-regarded games. Uh, it seemed like all hope was lost and people weren't really sure. And then all of a sudden these rumors started spreading out that Banjo and Kazooie were going to be in Super Smash Bros. And everyone's like, oh my God, is it actually going to happen? Is it actually going to happen? And the other night they released a trailer that basically revealed that they were indeed going to be in the game. And it was, um... It was probably the best moment of my life. I posted a reaction video. <laughs> I mean, it was. it's definitely up there. It's certainly up there. I posted a reaction video on my Instagram. Here's a, a little clip of that here. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. This is literally the best day of my entire life. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's happened. It's actually happened. Oh my God. Oh my God. Now, the reason I actually recorded myself, like I wouldn't normally just record myself uh, doing something like that, but um, because there were all these rumors floating around, I had an inkling that it might be happening. Like I just thought, let's just record this because I think it might actually happen tonight. And it, it turns out it was worth recording. So I just recorded myself responding to the entire Nintendo E3 conference, which is a big gaming convention every year. Um, and one of my favorite videos that I saw on Twitter that has been viewed over 2 million times, and it's a video of a bunch of uh, people in New York City, uh, like probably a, a big hall full of maybe like a few hundred people live streaming this event, watching it, responding to it live. Uh, and if you thought my reaction video shows the excitement and passion and uh, and just utter disbelief that this is happening. Just have a listen to how fucking excited people are about this live streaming it right here. Oh my 
it's just like I don't know that guy who's just like holy shit he made it I don't know I just think this video is incredible it just shows how passionate um people who like video games are it's great I'm so excited about this I can't wait to see more of this character in Smash it comes out in a few months time because it's DLC um but it's incredible and if you're excited as well let me know because I am so excited. And uh, Radio Lewis Hobden, in, in answer to your question, that's kind of why. So obviously Nintendo and Microsoft have been working uh, together a lot recently, which is kind of why a lot of people were like, oh, maybe something's going on there and we might see Banjo. Um, and yeah, turns out we did. Uh, it turns out they have been negotiating that. And apparently, and my, people from Microsoft tweeted out and said, yeah, like, we're so stoked that Banjo's in Super Smash Bros. because he belongs there. Uh, it's absolutely awesome. Who do you want to see in Smash Bros.? Who is your number one character that you would like to see in Super Smash Bros.? If you're a fan of the series. Because mine was uh, Banjo-Kazooie. And they're in. Um, and now I just feel like I can never ask the universe for anything again. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy. Let me know on the socials who your character choice is. Whoever it is, even if it's silly. Um... Hey, that went for a really long time, and I appreciate you listening if, you know, maybe the gaming stuff's not necessarily why you come to this podcast. Um, it, It's going to change, like, the podcast changes every week. There's different stuff's going to be talked about every week, depending on how I'm feeling. I, obviously, I like to do more of the um, segments that we usually do, but just I just wanted to talk about this for a really long time. But we do have time for one more thing, uh, which, end of the mic, if you will, is this. Harry Potter and the Boys, a live reading by Radio Mike. You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? It is Harry Potter and the Boys, my Harry Potter fan fiction that I wrote when I was in year seven. Uh, and we're currently, basically there's a bunch of boys. They go to Hogwarts 50 years after the original Harry Potter ended. Harry is now the headmaster. Ron and Hermione are teachers at the school. Uh, the, te- the school's become really sadistic. The teachers regularly torture the students. Um, it, it's just fucked. Uh, and there's a narrator of the book that regularly uh, inter- interjects and makes comments about it, about what's going on, uh, like kind of breaking the fourth rule. In fact, a lot of the humor in this, I reckon, came spurred from a bunch of things, including Banjo-Kazooie. Like the breaking the fourth wall aspect of this book which is very meta and very self-referential. The characters often acknowledge that they're in a book. A lot of that was inspired comedically from uh, from games like Banjo-Kazooie. And a particular movie that I will talk about in, in extended detail sometime in the future, I won't name it now, but see if you can guess what it is. It's a Disney film. Uh, anyway, let's uh, read this chapter. In the last chapter, Lewis Spears read... Uh, uh, most of it, I think we've got a few pages left. Let's just, uh, edit the mic, let's just cut in Lewis talking from last week uh, and leave it where he left off. But Ranger, what about the third spell, Loggy asked? That's the end. Okay, great. So that's where we are. But Ranger, what about the third spell, uh, Loggy asked? Um, so these are the, sorry, these are the elemental spells, which are apparently really rare and hard to cast spells in, uh, in the Harry Potter world. There's also a spell list in the group for this podcast. I made a spell list with all the new spells I invented and what they do, etc., etc. Um, so the three elemental spells are Moltano, Articane, and Zapatron, which is obviously based on Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno from Pokemon. Anyway, let's finish this chapter. 
The Zapatron spell was also used once by another wizard. I am not sure why it happened, but it happened, Ron replied. Well, who used it? Hopeless McDopeless asked. <laughs> he, I think Hopeless McDopeless appeared in an earlier chapter, maybe during sorting. <laughs> Love his name. Um, Ron seemed unsure if he wanted to say or not, but before he could, the door at the back of the room opened. Everybody turned their heads around to check who it was. Mr. Charger had entered the room, a cheesy, cartoony, stupid grin on his face. Mr. Charger is the like idiot, uh, is the really mean uh, teacher who's there's something suspicious about him. Uh, he wore a sticker on his robe saying "Potions Teacher" smiley face emoji. He strutted wankerishly, if that's a word, wankerishly <laughs> to the front of the room. See, he reminds me of um, Count Olaf from the series of unfortunate events a bit. Like I don't know, there's some. He reminds me of that a lot. If you've read those books, really good series. Uh, he strutted wankerishly to the front of the room. He slapped Ron in the face lightly. <laughs> and slowly rotated his head around <laughs> like like Snape did when Harry said in the fifth Harry Potter movie, he's got Padfoot in the place where it's hidden. <laughs> he's got Padfoot. He's got Padfoot at the place where it's hidden. Padfoot? What is Padfoot? Well, what is hidden? What is he talking about, Snape? No idea. Cool. Great. I've never heard a book describe something with... Like, it's like in... in I don't know. It's like in Star Wars Episode Six, they go, Oh, it kind of reminded me how in Star Wars Episode Five, Darth Vader said, Luke, I am your father. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I used it, Mr. Charger yelled. He walked out. So Mr. Charger used Zapatron. But Mr. Charger's a squib which means he can't use magic. Very mysterious man. What is going on? Send your theories to me. Uh, so also, he's just been like apparently listening in on this class and then walked into the room, slapped Ron across the face and rotated his head dramatically to say, I used it. Uh, that was weird and dramatic, Sam said. Shut up, Sam, you tool. Rob insulted Sam and the class laughed. <laughs> Oh, everyone's a really mean person in this book. Uh, you don't know how he used it? You don't know why? You don't know how it happened? No, Ron said. Well, well aren't you a good teacher? Michael smirked. <laughs> and, then, and then there's a sentence in R Russian. There's a sentence in Russian characters, like letters. Like It's not English. I don't know what it says. Maybe I'll put it into Google Translate and just see if I... If 14-year-old Mike Google translated a phrase into Russian. Uh, let's just see. Oh, it's... Okay, so there's a sentence in Russian. It says, Lockie said a sentence all of a sudden in Russian for some unknown reason. And I've just typed whatever it is into Google Translate. And it says, what do spells do? <laughs> so Lockie has randomly broken into Russian to say, what do spells do? Uh, sorry, I don't know how that happened. I guess he means speaking Russian. What I meant to say was, what do the spells do? Moltano will permanently burn a person where it is hit. It will cause them constant pain forever. Articane will cause a person to lose all thermostatic recognition and causing them to be cold even on the warmest of days. God, these are terrible spells. Zapatron will cause any electronic device to come into power. 
Okay, that's weird because the Wizards don't have electronics, Ron. Jesus, no, get it right, Mike. Uh, will start massive storms all over the world and can alter people's brainwaves. Three hits of Zappatron and you dead. And and you dead, Ron answered. <laughs> and then someone, it doesn't say who, says three hits and you dead. And then I guess Ron says, you dead. And then uh, someone else says, we dead. And then Ron says, yes, you dead. And then someone says, I dead in three hits of Zappatron. And then Ron says, three hits, you dead. <laughs> That's the end of the chapter. <laughs> you dead? We dead. You dead? Yes, you dead. Three hits, you dead. <laughs> What the fuck? Also, why do these spells even exist and why were they never mentioned in the original uh, Harry Potter? I don't know. Anyway, we dead. Uh, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Go and check out Banjo-Kazooie. Play it. Watch the trailer of them in Smash because it's really awesome. Um, what else do I need to talk about today? Uh, I, I, I remember midway through recording this, I was like, oh, you need to say this at the end. Just remember it. But now I've completely forgotten and I have no idea what it is. So I'm going to take two seconds here just to try and remember really quickly. Okay, I didn't remember. Oh, I just remembered. It's uh, uh, lots of submissions coming in for Pokemon Australia edition. Uh, definitely keep sending them in. We're going to do it again next week because I need to follow up on something that Lewis said last week that I've realized was really stupid. Wanted to do it today. Also, uh, Radio Bailey, who is the next candidate to become a radio superstar, uh, we recorded that on the weekend. It just I just didn't have time to put it into this week's episode. So that will uh, come pre-recorded next episode. Uh, so... Radio Bailey, if you're listening, don't share the result with anyone because I want it to be a surprise. And if you do, you'll ruin the podcast and I'll ban you anyway. See you later, Bailey. Go out there and remember, guys, my name is Radio Mike and uh, this podcast has been the inside of my mind. See you later, guys. Catch on the flip. Live and let die. Yeah. <laughs>